fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 44 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. The Dive is the only podcast that's going to pave your way and going to be your lead blocker to fantasy glory, fantasy paradise, fantasy championships, whatever your fantasy is, football related fantasy that is, the Roto Street Journal is going to help you get there. I of course am your host Nat The Truth Jones with me as always the wolf of Roto Street himself fresh back from Chi-Town. How you doing wolf? I mean, it's one of those weird situations where everything outside of my own personal body and head and everything about me, uh, everything else is great. The Pats won. It was a fantastic game, an absolute blast. Some great shit talk between the Bears fans and us, and nobody got hurt, which is nice. Uh, So so that was fun. The the city itself, I don't know if you've been, but it was a blast. A really cool city, great food. Uh, So we had a great weekend, but flying in late last night, getting in around 2 in the morning, and then going in to teach today was Mm. some sort of hell that I wouldn't wish upon my worst mortal enemy, which is right now Corey Davis. Uh, but, you know, big fantasy win as well. Uh, so, Corey you know, Davis. everything Cut is coming up. In speed. Uh, what a fucking loser. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit on our stock watch. Uh, but pretty much everything's coming up in spades outside my own personal well-being. I am in the roughest of shape, but we're still here. We're going to still give you our stock watch, all the risers, fallers. I and mean, we've got some big trades going down with the Mark yeah. Cooper. We got we got a lot to cover, so you know I'm gonna stick this one out for my wolf pack. You boys know I love you, uh, and females that listen, you know my mom, and you know maybe maybe one other out there, who knows? But either way, you know I'm pumped to uh, to get this out there. I feel back at home, back at health when I'm talking about fantasy football. I know you are in your element. I know you can just wing this thing, even in bad shape. Um, how do you, how'd your teams do this week? What do you think you're going to go? I know we still got the Monday night game coming up, uh, real nail biter here between the giants and the uh, Falcons. I think, what are they a combined like two and 10? <laughs> Seriously, I know. Three and nine, like, something like I that. Can't, I can't believe the Falcons are like on the same level of the Giants record wise. Just awful. I can't believe I have to keep watching the Giants. Why do they keep getting primetime games? I they're think so they're going to start bad. getting. I think they're going to start getting flexed out of the ones that they can be. I don't they know if they can flex to. Monday night games though. You can't. I think, I no, think they're in stone, yeah. kind of right. Exactly. Uh, no, but I'm in position to go uh, five and zero, oh, which would be sweet. Oh, nice. A big night from Calvin Ridley, and not even like a huge night. You know, eight big point enough. night. Would make me, you know, a five and zero week. So that'd be pretty fantastic. I've already got the Fez locked up. It was pretty fun uh, plane ride home. We had Jet Blue, so we had the Sunday oh, night I love game. That. Sitting next to Dave Mock, my rival, who I'm facing, uh, and he had he had AJ Green and um, mm. Andy Dalton going, mm. which did you know Andy AJ Green did his thing in the first couple quarters, but ultimately Pat Mahomes just wouldn't put his dick away, uh, just relentlessly pummeling Dave the entire flight. So that was fun, all hungover and and drunk and whatnot on the flight, being right next to your buddy, trapped in the air yeah. and just staring in his eyes as you pull away. That, that sounds was pretty, pretty nice. That, that was a pretty fantastic experience. <laughs> staring in his eyes as you pull away. I love that. I love that. That's yeah, fantastic. How'd, you, how'd your leagues go? Uh, it looks like I'm probably going to end up three and one, uh, which is solid. I mean, I, I'm pretty much doing that every week, which is nice. I could get really unlucky if Tevin Coleman just absolutely blows up. How how much of a blow up? Uh, 25, 26, 27, half, something like that. Oh, I mean, I mean it's possible. Miracle. I mean, it, it could happen. So I'm not like I'm not celebrating yet, but it could happen. Uh, I did 
play uh, one of the other strong playoff teams in my hometown league and just absolutely lit them up. Uh, I know sometimes, I mean, it's a fantasy podcast, so I'm going to say it. Started four receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, and Jarvis Landry, and every one of them. I mean, Hopkins was just, you know, like a touchdown wasn't a huge game. Everyone else just blew the fuck up. Yeah, uh, And then I had awesome. Phillip Rivers, I had Tariq Cohen, who you told everybody was going to blow up against the Patriots, and he totally did. It was solid. And you want to know something? I What's took it? a zero from Gronk intentionally. <laughs> rather than rather than drop somebody on my bench, I did it because I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna win this game anyway, and I did. Awesome, yeah, that's Fuck ballsy, yeah. like that. Good anyway, shit. yeah, and that was with Sony Michelle getting hurt too. All right, we're Damn. gonna get right into the podcast, episode 44. I wish it was episode 40, so I could say let's pour a 40 out on the curb for Jamal Charles, who was released by the Jaguars. I know our boy Jacha. I know our boy Jacha. Man, it seems like maybe his better days are maybe behind us, maybe like five years behind us. Anyway, um, anyway, love Jacha. Uh, if this is the end, which it probably should be, um, great, great run. Not for the Jags, but great run. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, we've talked about the Bears. We've talked about all this stuff. We've talked about how you survived fantasy cancers. Davis and Shady, never uh, playing them in the right it, week. And you're saying you want a glossary term from that? I got the, it. Let's say, is fantasy cancer the right term, or is there something better? Because it's one of those things where they, they'll go off, but anytime they've gone off, they've been on my bench. I think it's, anytime I put them in, they kill me. Like That's a glossary term I'm looking to come up with, whether it's cancer, whether it's something else. I think it's fantasy, I think it's fantasy three-card Monty. Mm. You have pop, to explain that one to me. The, I'm not, that, I, that's the one where the guy has three cards on the street, and he's moving around so you can find the red ace, and it looks really easy, and then you pick it up, and you're always wrong. Oh, you know what okay, I'm talking about, it. where you get just hustled on the street by some guy okay. who's really good at palming cards? Yep. <laughs> fantasy three-card Monty. Also, fantasy whack-a-mole came to mind. Whack-a-mole is a good one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're never hitting it. I no, like that never hitting ball. it. Uh, three-card Monty, you pretty much always lose. Anyway, right. <laughs> uh, mull them over. I think it's a great idea for a term. I actually put it in the glossary. We will definitely get to it. Um, yes. Good work. And I know how you feel. I hate I hate having like a situation like that on my team. Like, you know, if I have a good quarterback, I almost I mean, it's like I have Phillip Rivers in this one league and then I got Kirk Cousins. And it's like I almost hate having him because mm-hmm. if he was a worse, I would never think about it. with Cousins. It's like, yeah, they're both kind of like top seven quarterbacks. And I right. hate having to think about it because if one of them does better then I'm like, oh, I screwed up. I'd rather almost just have no backup. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so tough sometimes, man. It's the worst. Never go with the right one, of course. Fantasy three-card Monty. Anyway, Amari <laughs> Cooper traded to the Cowboys for a first-round pick, allegedly. Uh, what do we think of this? I mean, is this going to make his stock go up significantly? I figure he can't be worse, right? Uh, yeah, ex- I mean – you think that, and it's he's just been so inconsistent, two booms, four busts. You, you never know what you're getting out of the guy. Uh, so you'd assume going to the, the just completely talent-starved uh, Cowboys, they got no wide receivers in there to really compete with him, that this should help his value. But you look at the Cowboys as well, they're one of the lowest volume, you know, most anemic passing attacks, whether that was because they had no receivers I mean, or whether help, they just, right. that's, you know, by design. We'll, we'll, you know, end up seeing here. Obviously, Amari becomes the centerpiece of that, but they were just 29 right now and run to pass ratio makes sense when you got Zeke Elliott as your centerpiece only 28th in attempts for 206 28th in yards 1282 and only eight touchdowns so far on the year so I mean they've they've really just been a complete you know shithouse of, of passing you can't really produce yeah. much going there Dak Prescott hasn't been anything overly exciting again whether that's by design because that's their offensive scheme or whether it's just they've had nobody else to throw to uh, remains to be seen one thing he does have going for him he's got his bye this week so he's got another week to kind of learn the offense. So it's annoying if you have Cooper and you've been relying on him. Well, hopefully you're not relying on him because he's very unre- the most unreliable player right now. But if you were relying on him, he has another week to kind of learn this offense, get acclimated. Um, and once he's fully got it, he's got a fantastic you know slate 
the matchups here. He's got the Eagles twice, giving up the fourth most points to receivers. Falcons, we already have seen a complete joke. He's got the Saints, Colts, and Tampa. I mean, all of those defenses are horrendous. So over 75% of his matchups are going to be against jokes moving forward. So uh, maybe this becomes a situation that was a couple years ago where, and this was the same coordinator, Scott Linehan, where it was Dez and Zeke, and they just both were dominant. They kind of established that play action for each other and, and just fed off each other. Maybe that's what Cooper becomes here. Linehan does have a history of dominating with number one receivers, even dating back to Calvin Johnson with the Lions. So it could be a positive, but he's got to learn this playbook. He's got the matchups to do it. Maybe this this is the spark. It can't be a bad thing. It's not worse for him because he was just certainly – you couldn't even use him when he was with the Raiders. At least he might find some type of value here with the Cowboys. Yeah, I got him stashed on my bench, and I was like thinking of moving him. And now I think I'll just sit on him for a week or two and just kind of see what happens. You know, Exactly. Uh, I'm not expecting much. My expectations are low, so I don't think I'll be disappointed either way. All right, let's talk about Sunday action. We're going to hit some risers and some fallers, and we'll talk to you about a little bit of injuries uh, and and, uh, maybe one, maybe two penny stocks, and we'll send you on our way. Get this thing out tonight. You can watch Monday Night Football if you like uh, torturing yourself and watching the Giants. You know what? As awful as they are, I'm probably going to watch it. All right, (laughs) risers, Kareem Hunt, and this is a guy I texted you last night. I've been thinking this for a while. I finally came out and said it. Next year, barring injury, this guy is my RB2 going into the draft behind Gurley. I mean, this is there's nobody I'd rather have than him. I know we talked about Melvin Gordon and stuff like that. I just have seen Hunt do too much, and this offense is just too ridiculous. Did you see him hurdle that guy last night? Oh, yeah. I saw okay. it all just on the plane. Just checking. It's amazing. Hey, it, got me, it got me enough to t- touchdown for Pat Mahomes. Uh, everything you just said is perfectly validated. Again, that fantasy stock formula we grade everybody out on. Talent. 100% there with Hunt. He's a good that hurdle, the tackle breaking. The guy's an unbelievable oh, beast when running. The, it just uh, He churns like no other back other than maybe Gurley. He's an unbelievable talent. Uh, and then the usage, that was the one question mark. That's why we weren't so high on him heading into the season as he had those disappearing acts in 2017 and Spencer Ware's coming back. Is he going to maintain that red zone role when Ware was very good at the stripe? Well, so far through seven weeks, that question's been answered emphatically oh, yeah. that it's going to be much more consistent in 2018. The Receiving usage has gone up each week. He's got five-plus receptions in back-to-back games, a receiving score in back-to-back games, and the, he's the fifth in the league in red zone carries at 18 carries, and he's obviously converting at a high rate. Thankfully, as you mentioned, too, that, that explosive offense around him, that's part of this reason he's so juicy. He's finding those red zone opportunities week in and week out. How can you stuff the box when you know he's got these vertical weapons on the outside and Pat Mahomes cannon arm? You can't put more, you know, you can't stuff the box to stop Hunt, so he's getting these favorable run looks every Every single time he touches the ball, there's nothing to not love here. The usage, the surrounding talent, and the individual talent is all there. Andy Reid seems to finally have waken up, and the Walrus is not just letting Hunt disappear again. So ultimately, to me, yes, he he rose to number four on my overall big board behind only, and this is all debatable, number two for you, which I I can totally see. The only guy that's clearly above him is Todd Gurley. And then I personally go Melvin Gordon and Saquon Barkley. I mean, Melvin Gordon, the number two scorer in fantasy right now, even with with missing this week, I couldn't go, you know, hunt above him quite yet because there is that risk. Andy Reid just falls back to his old ways, which it would take. He'd have to be a real fucking moron to do. Well, um, I mean, and I don't there's think some will. there's some precedent for that, but I don't think so. Yeah. I, I I hear you on Gordon, although I don't agree. I think you're nuts as far as Barkley goes. That's that's to me just borderline completely what makes crazy. You down on Barkley? Why? why I'm not down on. I'm not down on Barkley. I mean, it's like you know, I think Barkley's really good. I don't know how you could legitimately put somebody that is in an offense that shitty 
uh, on the same <laughs> level as somebody that is on an offense that is just producing points like they're printing mm-hmm. their own money. I just don't under, I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, regardless of even if you think he's a much better talent than Hunt, which maybe he is. And but, I don't. But, but Hunt's great. I mean, like, you just like, you know, he, it's like a machine in Kansas City. You, they just put up points like crazy, and he just gets so much usage. I don't know how you could possibly put Barkley above him. Gordon, maybe. I hear you. The Chargers have mm-hmm. that great offense. But anyway, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how Barkley looks tonight against a pretty shitty uh, defense. Right. It's um, a good point. It's a good point. All right. Let's talk about Nick Chubb. Uh, is Nick Chubb giving you a Chubb lately? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Absolutely. The pants are rising a little bit when Chubb comes uh, The name comes in there. While I was in Chicago, actually on the architecture tour. Fantastic tour, by the way. So, I mean, we'll cut just real quick. I'll just say, have you ever done that before in Chicago? No. no I haven't. I, <laughs> would not no, have occurred it, to me to do that, but go ahead. No, I know. I, I wouldn't have to me either, but everyone else was golf, and I fucking hate golf. And it was unbelievable. Just really cool. Not something I thought I'd be into, and I, I was really into it. But as I was on it, news broke about Nick Chubb, which was uh, that Carlos Hyde got traded to the Jaguars out of nowhere. Who knows what they're thinking because they say Leonard Fournette's going to be back after the bye. So I don't know what's going on there. But regardless, Nick Chubb now became that clear-cut early down back, at least in theory, after the trade. And then Sunday confirmed that, which was really nice to see. 18 carries, 80 yards, and a TD. Solid, solid effort among running backs with at least 30 attempts. He's now the pace setter in yards after contact per attempt at 6.8. It's getting yards after contact. So the guy's churning out broken tackles. Missed tackle percentage 32, according to Pro Football Focus. So the guy is churning out yardage, which is fantastic to see. Um, and his upcoming schedule is a complete joke. He outsnapped uh, Duke Johnson to 45 to 35, but obviously the touch total was much more vast with uh, Duke Johnson just touching the ball five times mm. as compared to uh, Chubb's 18. So, I mean, everything is favoring Chubb. Fantasy playoffs against Carolina, Denver, who's you know, been getting destroyed for 200 yards a game by running backs, Cincinnati, who we just saw get absolutely manhandled by Kareem Hunt. So his fantasy playoff schedule looking nice. He's got Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Atlanta leading up to that, and then another date with Cincinnati. So his his schedule is a joke. This guy is the looks of every year, those stretch run, you know, waiver wire season changers, those difference makers, those title bringers emerge. And I'd be really surprised if Chubb isn't that. He seems almost guaranteed to be as long as he stays healthy. He was available in 28% of leagues before the trade. Not anymore, now he's dude. obviously, no, you know, much more vastly owned. Uh, but ultimately, I think he's going to be a true difference maker, high end RB2, potentially a low end RB1 when all sudden done with this, this schedule coming up. Yeah, I picked him up, and I as Sony Michelle started for me this week. I'm on the bench. I got to say, I'm thrilled to now be able to just plug Chubb in there. Yeah, that's smooth. That was yeah, smooth. Very, very happy about that. Oh, remember too on the podcast last week, I said as my hail mary, you know, Nick Chubb might plot in for a touchdown. I actually was desperate in a league in my Holy Cross league where I can't do any wrong. I'm seven and zero. It's unbelievable. Um, nice. I picked him up that day before he got traded, just as like you know my desperation touchdown plunger. And then of course he ends up getting traded, and now he's the featured backs. So that league is just incredible. Anything I do in that league, I'll make sure to tell you because yeah, let me know. It, it seems like I can't do any wrong. It all all the stars seem to align for me there. But yeah, fantastic Nick Chubb. You got to feel really excited about quality, quality RB two. I moves. feel good about him because also, I mean, he started. I want to say like seven rushes for ten yards, and they stuck with him. And I mean, and yeah. it worked its way out, and he ended up you know four and a half yards a carry touchdown. It was solid. He's a good um, point. Yeah, um, they, didn't, they didn't cave on him. Yeah, I was worried they might give up early, but I mean, you, I guess when you trade the other guy, you got you got to go. You gotta Gotta right. go with him, right? <laughs> uh, Trey Burton 
Uh, a guy last week, I was even saying to you, like, how come he hasn't blown up more? And you were like, you know, he hasn't been that bad. You know, it, it's, you know, he hasn't been the absolute like standout we hope, but like you, you called me a little bit on, on me being down on him, said he's probably been better than you think. He had a really good game this week. Absolutely. I saw it live in person. He had 11 targets, caught nine of them for 126 in a TD. And he was just used all over the field in the short, you know, run after the catch type situations, streaking down the seams for 30 yarders. The guy was just a, a monster the entire quarter. And he, you know, Mitch Trubisky, every time he was scrambling, there was only one guy he was locking into every time. And it was none of the receivers. It was always Trey Burton. Uh, so this was that most Travis Kelsey-esque yep. yeah, move tight end role that we've been envisioning this whole year. The usage finally aligned and he had that type of game so you got to feel really confident in him as a, a quality you know people keep rotowell calls him a back end tight end one i believe he's a you know nice locked in right up there with george kittle you know had another big day himself he's he's just a monster that college roommate connection with bethard but i, I think burton is right there b- below you know travis kelsey and zach Ertz and gronk you got that tier and then there's a tier to me and it's trey burton and it's george kittle and those two are kind of it in that tier maybe david njoku is, is pushing his way there with baker mayfield but burton this game just locked it up he's gotten all that unique shovel passes and now he gets the down the seams and the run after the catch it's everything you want to see and it's clear that him and trubisky do have that connection whereas trubisky lacks that with pretty much anyone else outside of Tariq cohen so you gotta love burton moving forward and you still if gronk was healthy you would still put him above that tier yeah, gronk would go to, yeah above above that kittle and and um burton tier he'd be with the Ertzes and the, right, right. the Kelsey. kelseys but at this point i think Ertz would be my guy i mean nobody runs routes quite like this guy and the usage is just insane he hasn't seen under 10 targets i think at a single time this year yeah whereas you know you got kelly obviously kelsey the better offense overall, and you got Gronk, the better talent. But to me, Earth seems like he's the balance of all, you know, everything on that formula, the safest bet week in and week out, even if the other two have higher ceilings each week. I think Earth is just such a high floor. That's kind of how I would look yeah. at the tight ends moving forward. It seems like the Eagles are maybe a little more reliant on Earth than either of the other guys. Yes, uh, exactly. All right, T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack, these are guys on your risers list. We thought Marlon Mack might be a good, uh, maybe a good guy to like plug in this week. Uh, you think this yeah. is going to be permanent? Uh, it's it's tough to say because Frank Reich is such a committee whore that just loves to have many, <laughs> as many backs involved. And there's not so often that I think the Colts will find themselves in such a positive game flow script for running backs. They do have a horrendous defense, but that didn't matter when you're facing the Bills that are just the most anemic offense. As just a quick side note, every single week I'm going to be bidding four to five bucks on whatever defense is facing the Bills because I've done that for three straight weeks. And it's been a, a difference maker for me. I've won those weeks that I've had any team that's facing the Bills, 19 points, 20 points, it doesn't matter. They're so bad. Uh, and that's what really helped Mac out is, one, they have a horrible run defense, so that doesn't hurt a running back by any means. But two, they you get up so big that you're just bleeding clock. So he saw 19 carries, two catches, and ultimately you know over 150 total yards and two touchdowns. So a monster day from this guy. I expect this to definitely be his season highlight. I don't think that usage will, will continue when they find themselves again more behind in games. Uh, that That's more of a Naeem Hines script. It's going to remain a committee under Reich, but this does show if they can get a lead, Mac will come with some upside. He's still that explosive guy. He looks fully healthy was the key to, to see with Mac. He finally looks fully healthy. Last year, he ripped big play after big play. I think he led the league uh, in percentage of runs going over 30 yards. So this guy can you know, bring some explosiveness to any type of offense and any type of fantasy team. You just got to make sure it's a week where the, the game flow will make sense for him. And as you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton, too. Uh, more so just to note, he looked fully healthy, finally back. Four 
catches, 25 yards, two touchdowns. So what I love to see is he was getting blanketed all day by Tredavious White, but they were able to still stick in a couple short yardage scores to him, which is not usually T.Y.'s strength. But Frank White has been using him so much more different than he in his past where he was just a deep threat, you know, more of a chunk play. Frank Reich does love T.Y. in the short game and more of a red zone threat too. Uh, you love to see that, and he squeezed two in against one of the better corners in the league. It looks like Hilton's fully ready to go back into that you know high-end wide receiver two, even low-end wide receiver one in the right matchups type of guy. All right, let's talk about the guys that are falling. Eagles running backs, uh, no consistency. Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement. I got to say, when we weren't sure which guy to pick up, and you know, some people lean one way, some lean the other. The only one of those guys I was able to pick up was Smallwood in one league. He didn't show up. Then all of a sudden there was all this buzz about Clement. And I have to say, although I was disappointed in my Smallwood pickup, I didn't really buy into Clement either. So uh, it's not like I was then scrambling to get him. I was uh, some people offered me Clement in a trade, you know. After that, like thinking, oh, this guy, you know, and I was like, no way, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some people offer me Clement for Jarvis Landry, believe it or not, and I was just like, go fuck yourself. Anyway, sorry, my daughter just walked into the room, so I kind of pulled up on that obscenity. But uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you agree, right? Like, I mean, you can't really count on the Eagles running backs, right? No, it's unfortunate because uh, you know, just last week we had a video released and everything that Clement was going to be the more reliable guy and he's going to be the one that really pulled away. But even still, despite outplaying Wendell Smallwood, he didn't earn more work. And this week he didn't look like he deserved it. You know, 32 yards for Wendell Smallwood on nine carries and then just a pathetic two, you know, six yards on two rushes, uh, you know, six yards and eight carries, sorry, uh, for, for Clement. Yeah. So he didn't do anything. That's Just so a puke-worthy day from both of them. This backfield is a complete nightmare. Maybe those LaShawn McCoy trade talks or Le- Le'Veon Belfort, but maybe that happens. Maybe they do now look more to make a backfield move, but this is just a reminder. And now, too, what was clear is their left tackle, Jason Peters, definitely looks banged up with a biceps injury, and that makes a huge difference along that line when he's not paving the paths. Uh, so, yes, the, the Panthers have a decent run defense, but they were nothing special. This wasn't a matchup that needed to be shied away from. So at this point, it's going to be really tough to trust uh, those Eagles running backs. I told a lot of people to sell high that were asking questions about offers for Clement, so I'm glad I did. Um, ultimately, hopefully you did as well because I would not be able to put either of these guys in my lineup unless I was completely desperate. Agree with you completely on that. Um, we missed one riser. I know you wrote about him earlier too. I must have forgotten. Oh yeah, he wasn't the, on the list. I was wondering why you didn't want to talk about him. But no, real, real quick, why don't we talk him. before we'll, we'll Are come? You cool we'll, with going on about him? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go back to the fallers in just a second. But carry on, Johnson. It's rare that Perhaps. I it's rare that I get to actually write a stock watch. My, my wife's homesick, and so and I'm in charge of the kids completely now, even more so than usual. Uh, and I'm I found like ten minutes while the mm. kids were like outside shooting this Nerf gun, and my wife passed out on the couch, and I. That was right when the stock watch uh, needs came out, and I immediately grabbed one and wrote. So I actually wrote one. I actually know about this guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll say I'll give you the sales pitch that I that I put in the article, which is week three. Cheer. The guy blew up against the Patriots. It was all of a sudden like it hadn't happened. There hadn't been like a hundred yard Lions running back in years, like four years or something, seventy yeah. games, five years, and. Then, for some reason, the next two games, they gave the guy 9 and 12 carries. And by the way, he did well in those games. He averaged like six yards a carry. Um, you know, Meanwhile, they're like splitting carries with LeGarrette Blunt, who's averaging three yards a carry for the year. I mean, it's just like not, he's not even like good. No it's sense. crazy. It's maddening. Uh, you mm-hmm. expect him to lose some, some stuff with Theoretic. You know, the guy's like kind of the quintessential receiving scat back or whatever. But anyway, you end up with on Johnson. Then finally, they decide they're going to give him the ball. 19 carries, 158 yards. Throw in a couple catches for good measure. 
you would think at this point they're willing to go on. The guy for the season is averaging six and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stock and- has got to be up. You got to go with this guy, right? I mean, and to me at this point, if they're not giving him the ball, that's just idiocy on the Lions coaching side part. And you do have to take that into consideration. I mean, there's precedent for the Lions being idiots. But to me, like, this is clearly the guy pretty close to a feature back role. And he gets great numbers. Got to say stock up on Carrion Johnson, right? Absolutely. I mean, the talent is there. The usage is, is going up, and clearly the offense hums at a much different rate when they have this guy in there. He's as explosive as it comes. He's looking like one of the better running backs from this class for sure. The only concern for me is even with him dominating as he did this week and, and all these other weeks with the six yards of carry, as you're saying, Blunt still remained involved this week, yeah. 10 carries, 50 yeah, 10 yards, carries. and a TD. And it's the TDs that are really, really mm. pissing me off. Cause vulture. Is, you know, obviously the, the vulture situation, the guy dominated, had over over 18 fancy points carry on did without having to score uh, but imagine if he was getting those goal line touchdowns over the last three weeks blunts now vultured three straight touchdowns so you gotta still be annoyed that even with carry on playing as well as he is they're not handing this off and that's bad patricia he comes from that patriot system that has typically loved to have committees uh, it's that's the most annoying part if he could ever shake LeGarrette Blunt, he would be a, a running back one, no doubt, top 12 guy moving forward. But because Blunt's annoying vulture ass lingers, I'd say he's still more of a, a RB2. But in, in the right matchups against like Miami, for example, he's going to explode. And this was definitely an explosion setup. So when the, the game script is right to have a, a heavy rushing total, Karen's going to be a monster. But yeah. otherwise, Blunt caps that upside, I'd say, week to week, unfortunately. He I, I agree. He's, he's, he's an RB2, not an RB1. But, but you agree that. I mean, they sh- he's he's got huge fantasy value at this point. Oh, absolutely! Like, I mean, you know, somehow, a- you know, if if Blunt tore his ACL or the team just decided let's ride with Carry On all the way, he would blow up into a, a top ten running back. Agree completely. Pick, all right, let's go back to Fallers. Corey Davis, your boy. Oh God, not my boy. I'm, pr- I'm proud, and every now and then there's a guy that all of a sudden gets into your doghouse, and sometimes I'm with you the whole time. Like you know, we both bought into Eric Decker. I was screwed. Corey Davis, I never bought into for even one second. So the fact mm. that anybody was ever believing in this guy, I just didn't buy it. I never saw the appeal, um, and you hate him now. You think he's like cuttable. Oh, definitely. I'm going to be hate cutting him on quite a few leagues. Uh, there's nothing nice. more cathartic than a good hate cut. And I just I, I hate cut Decker last year. It's, I've used Corey Davis uh, six out of seven weeks this year. The oh, one week I benched God. him was the one 26-point day he had, oh. which blew me my game by benching him uh, for LaShawn McCoy, coincidentally. Both of them just killing my, my – I cannot stand – these guys but Corey Davis is just one of those guys that's so easy to write the game script for oh he's a great talent top four pick and he's got all the usage in the world because there's no other receiving threats there and their defense isn't great so they're going to be throwing and playing none of it ever pans out it's so easy to think this guy's going to be great and it's sexy to make that call and it never works I cannot stand him you sit there watching this offense the offense is hideous it moves at a just snail's pace bleeding clock and and bleeding opportunities away and the, the him and Mariota just aren't connecting. They don't. They, they he does look at him. Sure, he's getting targets, but there's only so often you can keep saying, "Oh, he led the team in targets again. He led the team in targets." Again. And now he's getting out targeted by Tajay Sharp. That's not even in his favor anymore. Taewon Taylor's making more plays than this guy. If he was as good as the number four overall pick says he was, and all these scouts say he's supposed to be, then he would have actually made something happen because the opportunity is there for him to be a dominant target hog. It's nothing else. He, he's just not as good as everyone thinks he is. His surrounding talent is god-awful the the titans are just horrendous i don't want any part of them and Corey davis is going to be released this week and i cannot wait to make that hate cut it's going to feel so damn good all right that's good stuff 
Um, and I and I agree with you completely. Uh, Stevon Diggs, you think he's more a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one? I want to ask you because Diggs is clearly a really good receiver. Cousins yes. is a pretty good fantasy quarterback. Is this uh, the product more of Adam Thielen being way better than anybody really was giving him credit for, and and being like a vacuum cleaner out there? I think he's the number one receiver in fantasy. He's 100% the number one scoring receiver. And I was going to ask you, yes, one, that is a huge part of it, probably the biggest part of it. Would you rank Adam Thielen as your top fantasy receiver moving forward if you were doing the rest of the season big board? I mean, I wouldn't, but that's probably just stupid. It's probably, you know, it's like sometimes we see something's right there and it's just like we continually don't believe it. It's like we're seven weeks into the season. I don't even think Minnesota's had a bye, so I think we've seen this every week. And I mean, we look at this and he's just putting up numbers and numbers and numbers. And it's like, it's not like he's out of nowhere. The guy was a really good receiver last year. I mean, really good. Definitely top yeah. 10, maybe even like more than that. And it's just, you kind of expect, I don't know if I'm expecting someone else to catch him or if I'm expecting him to slow down. Neither of those things seems particularly likely. I don't know. Would, would he be your number one guy? I mean, I, like, it's I, like, I, he probably should be, but I, I don't know if I would take him one. I, I, I don't know if I would either. It's tough to it, – it's crazy. You said seven weeks in the year he's gone in over 100 yards in every single week. If you're going to ask me who I have the most faith in and putting up 15 to 20 points every single week, it's or, Thielen. He's, or 25. He's, he hasn't gone under 20 yet. I mean the guy is the most consistent receiver in the game. It's almost like having a bell cow back because he always sees at least 10 to 15 targets and he always produces with them. That's the kind of difference between him this year and last year is the touchdowns. He's getting a ton of scores in addition to 100 yards every single Single week. I mean that that might be an NFL record at it this is, point. If, if that's correct, what you're saying, it is an NFL record. Who yeah, would you I, take number one moving forward if you had to? It'd be to? tough for me to not take Antonio Brown off the bye. I knew you were going to say that. God is bye week. By the way, it's just Antonio Brown. He's he's earned that for you know seven straight years or whatever it is. There's just too much of a track. I record. think Juju's killing him. I mean, who you <laughs> called? You said Juju was going to be great. Juju was being great too, but Antonio Brown seemed to be finally be rounding into form before the bye, and I think that's just going to only continue, and he's going to keep launching off. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you were asking me first, the rest of the season, who's going to score the most points? It'd probably be Brown. But if you were at one week, you need 20 points. Who would you rather have? There's nobody, nobody I'd rather have. Rather have. He, he's you. unbelievably consistent. And yeah, I mean, that's the the rub on Diggs right now, who he originally started this conversation. Right, right. We just gave him it's, no play at all in this whole conversation, <laughs> and it's not even that Diggs is necessarily for that much further below on the target totem pole. He had 14 targets this week. He hauled in eight of them, but there was only for eight uh, for 33 yards. Mm. So for whatever reason, we expected Diggs to kind of be that guy that's dominating all the jump ball contested situations going down the deep end of the field, you know, more vertical, those deeper quadrants. It's not Diggs. It's Thielen who's doing all that great stuff that we were hoping Diggs would be doing. And as a result, Diggs has been more the underneath, the quick hits, and he's just not breaking the tackles like we've come to know with Diggs. Uh, He's still going to be great. He's still very, very high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one. I'm not saying you write off Diggs, you put him on your bench. Nothing like that the guy is a monster but whereas Thielen every single week you know what you're getting and it's consistent and you can rely on it Diggs has had quite a few duds mixed into his blow-ups too so he's facing the Saints next week he'll destroy the Saints let's say you're never going to bench Diggs it's just more so you can't rely on him as your true number one you know target hog horse because even if he sees the targets he's just not doing as much as Adam Thielen at this point all right some injuries going on we want to talk about Sony Michelle yeah. Sony Michelle uh you know guy that I own I was happy happy hanging on to for a long time. I was happy to see him blow up. He went out pretty early in that Bears game, uh, got tackled, and his kind of leg moved in weird directions. It looks like it's not altogether serious. He's listed as week to week right now. Of course, you know, that that could still be a lingering thing that could hamper him a while, right? 
Absolutely, yeah, and they, you know they carried him off, and it looked horrible. But thankfully, uh, Adam Schefter let us know that there was no structural damage, which is great. Uh, it's looking like maybe an MCL sprain is the original prognosis, which is usually a couple weeks, two to three weeks. I wouldn't be shocked. I believe the Patriots have a, a week eleven or week twelve by. I would not be surprised to see him held out uh, in, until then, mm-hmm. unless it is just that much lighter that he's back next week. It, it, you never really know with these things. Um, until then, James White's just going to complete. Be be a just complete dominant RB one, which he already was with Sony in the lineup, scoring twenty or so points. But the increased red zone workload, Sony was third in the league with twenty one red zone yeah. carries. That's just after you know just starting to take over that role. Uh, so that volume will likely go to White, the more reliable guy. I mean, Kedjan Barner will get mixed in. He came in and got ten carries this week. He might end up getting a few goal line looks as well, and is worth a, a free agent add off the waiver wire as a guy that could be a touchdown bet, especially against the just. Pathetic Bills. You imagine if they get up big early, they'll want to protect White, just a key cog of this offense. And maybe you're getting a 15, 20 carry day from Barner this week. A great one week stab at minimum in this right type of matchup. Probably would disappear the next week against Green Bay, where yeah. that's more, much more of a James White type of game flow. Uh, but ultimately, great one week stab for Barner. White moving forward is just that much more valuable. He's already been probably the pick of the year. This, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th rounder that's been a top five running back at this point. So, and, I just love that. I, I was saying this guy's a true RB1, got tons of shit on Twitter. Everyone's yep. saying you're overreacting. We know the Patriots. He's always just been an ancillary piece. He's yep. had big games. And I said, great, sell him to me. You know, everyone's saying sell high. I'll buy low because I, I believe in this. And that's just one of those fantasy, you know, things when you, there's people that don't believe in somebody. That's one of those immediate buying lessons. Not a lot of people talk about is there's lots of people who think of flukes. Let's say Philip Lindsay so far this year. If you bought on him on a couple of weeks ago and people still thought he was a fluke, you would have got a great value. I didn't even believe in the guy. I would have been willing to sell him for lower than he is. And now he's a quality, quality RB2 that you probably could have bought for a, a wide receiver for price. That's just a, a little fantasy lesson is if you buy into one of these guys that other people are labeling as flukes and sell highs, that's just the same as buying low on a stud that's underperforming too, uh, which not a lot of people cover. I think that'd be an interesting article actually someday. I agree. Um, and I'm, so I am I believe in White very much. I, as you know, I <laughs> traded White very early in the season. I think before week one in my hometown league i received emmanuel sanders for him so uh you know not a horrible trade especially no, if demarius no, gets moved which no is, it, i mean emmanuel sanders is a top five wide receiver um yeah. so i don't know i mean it's one of those things where it's like i don't feel like i got killed on it but that's like i'm cringing a little bit that guy offered to trade me white back uh this week for sony michelle straight up and i turned him oh, down turned him down dang. Yep. Damn, imagine you pulled that one off. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, you know, to me it seemed like kind of a lateral move almost, and I was like, I don't want right. to gamble and lose. I really like Sony Michelle, and then he got hurt. Right. Yeah, that would have been nice. Anyway, LaShawn McCoy, uh, speaking of guys that are injured, that who the hell really cares? But uh, we'll talk about it anyway, Wolf. It, it just sucks. I mean, uh, you, you had fresh off two 10-point days in a row, so it seemed like he was finally hitting his groove. And then, of course, because I put him in my lineup, I imagine, he decided to get concussed from your second play of the game after one yard. Uh, and it was out after a tough hit. There's ankles, ailments as well as part of that. But the, the concussion was the more uh, you know, more worrisome part in concussion protocol right now, which means just Chris Ivory has to be added. He, he racked up a solid, I think, 80 total yards in his absence and just has always run the ball hard and well. 
well. So ultimately, if Shady misses time on Monday Night Football and you're actually relying on him, you better go get Chris Ivory as your backup plan. Um, and even if you don't have Shady, not a bad flex plug-and-play. It just is tricky because if, if McCoy does play, then Ivory is useless and you had to wait all the way to Monday night. So tricky situation. He's more of a handcuff, in my opinion, than the guy you pick up to start. I'd be looking more like Kenjin Barner. Um, or uh, Jalen Rashad, some of these other guys we'll talk about in a second as one-week streamers. Um, but Shady, just let's hope he gets traded to the Eagles or something at this point because that offense is so uh, just abysmal. It's awful to watch, um, and this is just awful for Shady. Just cannot seem to stay on the field. That high mileage, 30 years old, it seems to finally all be catching up to him. There's nothing to really like about him at this point. It's awful. The offense is awful, and it's like we've – We've known it from day one. We like, knew it was going to happen. No surprises. Nothing here. unpredictable there. Right. Dolphins wide receiver core. Uh, speaking of a group, I'm not interested in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's there to say? Albert Wilson potentially lost the season, and unfortunately, he was really exploding these yep. last couple of weeks. But he suffered a hip injury that Drew Rosen has to say best case would be a few weeks. Uh, it could be a full you know, season at this point. Kenny Stills left at the last drive of the game with a groin injury. So all this is is Thursday night, if you're desperate for a streamer, Danny Amendola might be, be your guy. He had a big week. Uh, he's the clear-cut target hog at this point. Maybe if you need that explosion, you look at Jakeem Grant. You might even get a useful week out of Devontae Parker, which is insane to say. Um, but after complaining, his agent came out and, and whined, and maybe the squeaky wheel gets greased for one week because he's very much rumored to be a trade uh a guy that's available for trade and oftentimes you'll see teams kind of showcase these guys to try to get some type of value off of them i could see parker getting a sneaky five to six targets and that could ultimately yield against a texans team that's not great on the back end one of those guys will have a big thursday night game my guess would be danny amandola widely available a decent stream if you're desperate with these bye weeks that's that's really where i'd look but maybe it's jakeem grant who's had a couple blow-ups maybe it's parker uh any of those guys could be streamers this week be guaranteed how, how banged up that core is all right matt Breda or Breda. i'm not sure how to pronounce it he was also injured he was kept i think five carries maybe even it was like five snaps i don't remember but yeah. instead of necessarily focusing on that injury we're going to actually talk about a guy who's maybe a penny stock in his stead so why don't you talk to us about him yeah, Raheem Mostert, uh, he's just my must-add kind of week eight waiver wire stash or potential stream uh, if if Breida ends up sitting. He's been their leading rusher for two straight weeks now, thanks to Matt Breida just constantly being banged up. But uh, whether Breida plays or not, you can just tell. This is a ticking time bomb. At some point, he's going down, whether it's for a whole season or extended period of time. Uh, it doesn't matter because he is going to get hurt. He already has a shoulder, a knee, an ankle, and just keeps getting re-aggravated and this week uh, as compared to last uh, couple weeks Shanahan said maybe we take a different apo- uh, approach that's something we'll have to look at to long and hard how we're going to handle uh, Matt Breida this week so that kind of suggests they might rest this guy give him a chance to finally get healthy uh, in which case Mostert would be a, a complete monster he's facing Arizona this week the worst run defense in the league giving up the most points and Mostert like I just said the leading rush of the last two weeks 59 yards on just seven carries this week 8.4 yards a carry uh four catches 19 yards so a solid productive day fresh off a 87 yard on 12 carry performance against green bay this guy brings 4.38 speed to the table kind of came in as a kick 
kick returner and has bounced around the league since 2015. Hasn't really got a chance as a runner. Wasn't even that big of a runner in college at Purdue, uh, but has always had that long speed. And Shanahan just knows how to find guys, has an eye for talent. And so far this year, he's really flashed that patience, that vision you look for with his zone blocking scheme. And just surprising for a guy with that speed has decent tackle breaking ability as well. He's broken a lot of tackles when given the chances this year. So all those things combined for a huge play uh, potential in this zone blocking scheme. I've always been a diehard fan of whoever's running behind Shanahan's scheme. Right now, it's looking like it could be Mostert against the easiest matchup in the league for Week 8, and then just a great stash moving forward, considering that Breedrich just can't stay on the field. One of my favorite, and a barren waiver wire this week, Mostert's one of my favorite guys to add. All right, uh, we went a little longer uh, than we thought we would, but the Monday night game is actually just about to get underway. I'm going to ask you one more question. This is for my Mm -hmm. daughter. Um, she's really into Transformers, and she wanted me to ask you a question. She just passed me a note. Uh, we all know, okay. we all know that uh, the you know Megatron is Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to, uh, you know, if you were going to label a football player to be Optimus Prime's a- equivalent, who, what Optimus football player would you say is the most like Optimus Prime leader of the Autobots? She's like the leader, right? Yeah, like he's, he's the, the he's the big boss, the good guy. I mean, Megatron was the the bad guy, but right, yeah. right. I, I would say it's got to be Gurley at this point. Mm, I mean, okay. the guy. It's just, you know, dependable, reliable, and you go to when you need him the most. I mean, Gurley, 43. I saw this stat earlier today. 43 red zone carries. The next closest was 23. So, I mean, he's almost doubled up the next closest guy in red zone carries. And that's like, you know, Optimus Prime, dependable. Sure. Go to it. The clutch situation just gets it done every single time. That's Gurley. You're getting 30 points a week. It's insane. I don't remember the stat exactly, but I think it's been like, it might be not be ever in the history of fantasy that a player has been the top scorer and then repeated that feat. Gurley's going to potentially do that. I mean, there's no reason he wouldn't do that as long as he stays healthy at this point because it's just been the volumes there. The offense is more explosive than ever before. It's a cheat code. It's just unfair if you own Todd Gurley. Welcome to your fantasy playoffs and probably right. another title run. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Let, That's off his prime to me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, unless he gets hurt, he's going to do all the things you're talking about. All right, yep. you got any social media you want to pump up? Of course, me personally, Roto Street Wolf, any sit-start questions. I know I was a little inactive this weekend because of the Chicago trip, so I apologize if I missed anything. I tried to still hit it all, but I might have been more inebriated than usual. But Roto Street Wolf on Twitter is where you can find me, Roto Street Journal on Facebook, Instagram, Roto ST Journal. On Twitter, of course, the main page, rotostreetjournal.com. rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch is where you can find all of these blurbs and, and much more that we discuss on this podcast. You'll see another 10 or so blurbs every Monday and Tuesday night getting updated uh, nonstop. We got a great writing crew handling all that. And of course, as you, you, we previewed at the beginning, we are your lead blocker, Fantasy Fullback Dive. If you haven't already, smash that subscribe button. Get every single podcast just delivered right to you and get every question in. We got our week eight preview coming up. So if you have any sit-start questions, trades, dilemmas, hit us up. Let us know. We'll hit it in the mailbag and, and we'll make sure to get you that title this year, baby. And just to be clear, my daughter just passed me a note and she says she would say that Optimus Prime is, is uh, Vaughn Miller. Anyway, that's a good, good attack. <laughs> not, uh, like. not bad. I, I thought he was going to murder Josh Rosen on Thursday, oh, by the way. God, terrifying. Anyway, uh, my name is Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. Best of luck in week eight pack. Later, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show At least we stole the show At least we stole the show
stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. Old-fashioned football right there, folks.